Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. To the 40, 35, into the 30, cut back 25, into the 15, 10, 5, touchdown! This is the best bad idea we have, sir. We are the Driveway Athletes. I'm Jack, joined tonight by Ed, here to talk a little bit more fantasy football today. How are we doing, Ed? I'm doing good, man. Um, this this fantasy season's chugging along. Uh, I think it's... I don't know about you. I, I For me, it, it's it's much more enjoyable than it was last year. I think just the games in general and um, it's kind of back to where it was prior to COVID. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. It's, it's back to where it was. Yeah. I think it's close. I think like the games itself are, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I think, I think, but I also think like it's going to take another year for us to really get a better grasp on, you know, fully everything that's going on. Like last yeah. year was just such like an anomaly. It might take a full year, even if it's just what I mean by fully going on, even if it's just us and our expectations of right. teams. And like, I just personally, I feel like the game in that year, like t- teams have just changed a lot of how they do things. Like I, You used to, and I don't know how long it's really been, but, like, we made some jokes in the offseason that, like, Buffalo doesn't really care about running the ball. I don't know that that many teams care about running the ball anymore. I don't think they do. I I don't think they do either. Um, I think you play to get a lead, and then you run the ball. Where before right. you used to run an offense, like a balanced offense to try and get a lead. Now you throw to get a lead, and once you have a lead, then you run. I mean, there are certain teams, like, that's how their offense is built. Um, you know, Baltimore being one of them, even though, like, they don't have, like, a fantasy-relevant player, but, you know, they're good at it. Um San Francisco was supposed to be that way, but uh, I feel like that coach, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, so like, that's a good topic because I think we can unpack this a little bit with San Francisco. If I were the general manager, I don't know that I would let this coaching staff have another year after this one. No. I, I think that, like, with watching what they're doing with Ayuk, watching what they're doing with Sherman, watching what they're doing with Lance, um, and then what they've done in the past with, like, uh, Marquise Goodwin and, and Dante Pettis. Like, I don't know what the expectations are of this coaching staff, but it seems like not many players live up to it. Um. And they have a lot of injuries on top of it, do. so I don't I don't know what kind of like practices they run or whatever. But like, I just feel like yeah, Kittle's out for another couple weeks again. Mostert, I you know like there's too many things that happen that you can't be like it's the players injury prone. You know like I no it, it is bizarre. You know I, I just don't know how a wide receiver who flashed so much last season is all of a sudden not good enough. Yeah. I, it's like guys get like in the doghouse with this coach and like they can't get out of it. Like I feel like it's he's like spiting the team. You know, like well he basically came out yesterday or maybe at the end after last week's game or after Sunday's game and was like uh I I'm not worried about Lance starting Garoppolo's our starting quarterback and I'm just like at what point like what does your team's record have to be? to turn the ball over. You know, like, I don't know. They're, they're what, like two and four? Yes, they're not good. Um, 
you spend an early pick and and I'm the first person that says like when you draft projects you should let them be projects but when you're losing games and your offense doesn't looks like and your offense looks disjointed anyway what are you losing you know like if he doesn't play well at least he got the reps he's going to run well um I just I so, I I wouldn't be surprised if he came out and said Lance didn't look good enough in practice. You know, like I just yeah, there's just something off. There is something off. Yeah, I, it's like he's like being spiteful, which is strange for a coach. It's like a, a terrible a terrible attribute to have as a coach, right? Like so I, I just I just looked up you know team rushing stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, no surprise, uh, Tennessee has the most attempts. Um, at they have 229 attempts in seven games. So do the math there, whatever that breaks down per game. Um, second up, this is not a surprise e- either, is Cleveland. So. They really like to run the ball. They do it very well. They they have 170 rushing yards per game, um, which you know, like two of their backs are hurt right now. So it's like those two. Well, Tennessee, they love to run the ball. They have Henry. So that's thirty. That's thirty two attempts per game. Just yeah, if you didn't have a ca- calculator, like. yeah, it, it yeah. is. That's a lot <laughs> for fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um, um, so Cleveland is right there with Tennessee. Here's a, here's a surprise to me. Um, maybe not a surprise to you, but third up is Arizona. Uh, I, I mean, surprised and not right. Because with Mary, who's a running quarterback, not that he's bad passer. Mm-hmm. Whenever you, you know, like you, you, that number gets juiced a bit. I'm I'm surprised at how successful these guys who I didn't really consider to be elite talents have been. Mm-hmm. So it's, and then, it's why uh, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been what we expect yeah. out of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, next up is Baltimore, which we discussed. And... So top five, I'll, I'll just give, and then we have the Bears, um, which also not surprising. Yeah. yeah, also not surprising because uh, with Fields uh, starting, I'm not surprised that they're trying to not put the ball in his hands to throw that frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I don't know that Matt Nagy makes it this whole season either. No. Uh. The just for shits and giggles here, the last place team for running the ball, and this kind of makes sense, I guess, is is the Jets. Oh, I would have thought it was the Eagles, but I guess hurt. I guess hurts. I guess hurts brings them out of last place. Yeah. So surprisingly, second to last. Is the Steelers? They so I think what I put in for Najee Harris was with how bad their offensive line is that they're going to do a lot of like running through the air, and I right. think that that's what you're kind of getting there is a lot of like they kind of did that when Bell was there, where like they call it pass play and then it end up just being a two yard dump off, mm-hmm. to, you know, to Bell. And I I'm not surprised that they're on the lower end of rushing attempts just because I don't know that they're going to be that successful doing traditional running plays. Yeah, that makes sense. So that, that like your assessment of like how running the ball is like those top five are over, you know, 200 uh, rushing attempts per game. So so you like thirty-two to about like twenty-five attempts per game for that top. But okay, like, okay, just look like, at like, look at like yeah. the team in the middle. Like look at whoever's sixteen, and let's okay. look at how many rushing attempts they have. Okay. 
because I would imagine that's heavily weighted at the top five. Mm-hmm. And once you get to 16, it really becomes something more like, you know, 20 rushing attempts per game. So looks like around the 16 mark would be like Seattle. Okay. They haven't had a bye yet, correct? No. So, yeah, okay. they've played seven games. 171 attempts. 24 rushing attempts yeah. per game. Um, and they're averaging 100 yards per game on the ground. And honestly, like, when we look at draft boards now, even this year, because I do think for the most part there's only a handful of guys that we were, like, maybe wrong on for different mm-hmm. reasons. And I'll, I'll do air quotes for wrong. But when you look at it, you're getting a lot of, like, second receiver on a team going in the top five rounds, right? Like, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett probably went no later than the sixth round for both to be off the board. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, right? Um, yeah. Yep. You have a lot of these pair, Godwin and Evans, yep. um, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Like, you've got a lot of these teams where – they had two receivers off the board in the top six rounds, which was like, you know, when you're talking about 10, 15 years ago, that just wasn't heard of. You know, it was like, oh, I'd rather have the number one receiver on a team, on any team, than the number two receiver on a good offense. You know, like, and I just don't think yeah, that that's... Yeah, there's just so many targets to go Yeah, around. well, there's just the ball is getting thrown so much. Um, and, and again, it kind of jibes with what we said preseason-wise was like, when you look at quarterbacks now versus 10 to 15 years ago, like even the like quote unquote like bottom tier guys are better passers than probably what were mid-level quarterbacks 15 years ago or 10 years mm-hmm. ago. You know, like even like the quote unquote the 32nd ranked quarterback is probably a better passer than what would be like the 15th or 16th quarterback 10 15 years ago. For sure. Um it's like the position has gotten better, which justifies throwing the ball more. I don't know that it makes it – it makes the gains a lot slower, you know. Um, and as someone who likes the running game uh, and and run blocks and seeing big runs, like I, I don't know. You know, like that position is going to continue to get devalued um, until it's just inconsequential. Which – so this kind of reminded me of something like – the other night, watching Monday Night Football, I, you turned me on to watching like Kate <laughs> Manning and Eli. They're like analyzing the game, and they bring in guests, and they brought in Tom Brady, and he was. They were like, "What's the easiest way to score, like in the red zone?" And he, hands down, he was like running the ball. Like if you yeah. can run the ball, that's easy. That's the easiest way to score. But it's becoming less. Um, you know, like he he was very transparent in saying like, it inside the twenty, I like to throw to big people. So if I'm gonna throw to somebody, he's throwing to Evans, right? Or or Gronk. Evans or Gronk or like he wants to run the ball. So, yep. um, which is interesting. For sure. I. I will say, as someone who's watched football a long time, right, and who pays attention to a lot of stuff, hearing Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and then they have Brady, they've had Breeze on, like, just read the play right at the snap. That's why everybody loved Romo so much when he came on because it basically Mm -hmm. was like, this is what's going to happen. This is the play. I can tell you the setup. I can tell you what's going to happen. Right. You just get so much more insight, you know, to the game from hearing guys like that talk, you know, like – um, that's why I find it so enjoyable. Not just they're entertaining guys anyway, but like I just feel like you learn so much in such like a non school like chalkboard marker, you know, type of way. Yeah, and I, I'm guessing like he was half trying to be funny, but it, there was a lot of truth in it, and he, they were saying like how like. Gronk doesn't watch film and, you know, Brady watches like a lot and, and he, Brady's there to get like 
Gronk like up to speed and he's basically like he's like dude just all you have to do is like get open that's it and I'll get you the ball ball. yeah yeah he's like don't worry about it he's like just run faster and be bigger than the other player (laughs) right Um, if only it was that easy just be bigger Um, but yeah, Marshawn Lynch was uh, quite the character. Uh, she, well, I mean, you knew he was going to be entertaining. He just is. He just is. You know. Yeah. But like, look, I don't care. It doesn't offend me. But I don't know how anybody at ESPN greenlit that with no delay. Right. Um, you know, like that's just like one oh one. Like you have a couple second delay. <laughs> yeah. Marshawn Lynch on. But I guess my point with talking about that, and I, I'm glad that you brought that up too, is like, I don't know, like the the days of of the Marshawn Lynches um, in Seattle when he was in Buffalo as a younger player, um, like I, that just that type of game is just not really going to get called that much. Even teams like you have Henry, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, everybody else is more a receiver or finesse back. Even Barkley, when healthy, is not really a power back, even though he's got quads for, you know. Yeah. He's got, like, Mack truck tires for quads. Well, what do you think about, uh, like, Jonathan Taylor? Like, is he more Henry than, say, like. There's only one Henry. He's more Chubb, maybe. He's more Chubb. Um, which again, to me, that's a pretty big compliment. Like, you know, he's a fantastic runner of the ball, but I don't know that like Henry is the only comp to Lynch that we've had since Lynch, right? Like just a pure power back, mm-hmm. um, where the Chubbs and the Taylors are more like a modern daddy George. Right. That's a good. You know, like they they can do both. Um, they've got good one cut. They've got good power, but they're not, you know, run through everybody power. <laughs> but they force missed tackles. Both guys right. force a lot of missed tackles. That's for sure. I think I, I like that. That I mean, probably because of the level of athlete, they're probably better than what Eddie George was. But that's kind of what I see. You know, like, I'd have to watch old Eddie George tape to, for, to remember. Um, but that's kind of, you know, like, they're not Chris Johnson, you know, who was just but Derek running. But Henry and uh, Peter, Adrian Peterson were are pretty similar, right? Yeah, but Peterson is like, Peterson's the best possible version, really, of the Chubbs and the, mm-hmm. and the Taylor. Um, because like, yes, power, but really like run by you, um, not a ton of like, look, he, he's one of the best backs I've ever watched, you know, Adrian Peterson. I'm not, I don't want it to sound like I, but his wiggle, there are certain backs that have a certain type of like wiggle, like able to get through the line, make cuts, you know, and they're usually cut from like the same kind of body type. Usually, usually they're a little smaller, a little lower center gravity. Peterson was in that six foot range, I believe, five eleven, six foot. And he wasn't a big, like he made a very good one cuts and he can make guys miss. But I think that Peterson's the best, like, I don't know. Henry's just such, like, you'd have to go back, you know, for like that. Like it's, it's him Lynch. And then you'd have to go back like Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson. They're kind of cut from this similar cloth. Um, you know, when you start getting into that pan of player, you know, right. where like um, these are the best possible versions of their generation. Where like, like if you look at like a Camara, you know, a- again, just cut from a different kind of cloth. Camara um, is more like a closer to a, a modern version of again of like a like a Marshall Falk. He's not getting fourteen hundred rushing yards, but he might get you two thousand all purpose. Right. You know. Or like Edger and James. It's a good comp, yeah. Um, I'm just... Let me... 
those guys are like throwbacks to like <laughs> you know the Henrys and the Marshawn Lynches are the throwbacks to the like when fullbacks ran the ball. Um, so I'm just looking at. I'm trying to pace out like how many carries Henry might get for the rest of the year. You know who's probably a better comp for Kamara is Jamal Charles. Yeah, that's probably it. I feel like Charles was a little bit bigger, right? But yeah, but Kamara—he's bigger than you think. I mean, not in height wise, but in like his lower half of his body, he's bigger than you think. All right, so I just paced it out. Um, Henry's on pace for 488 uh, attempts. I mean, record-breaking, I guess. I don't know. You know, like, that's got to be up there. Um, yeah. At least in the modern game. Um, like, like the, uh, you know, obviously you, back, yeah. back in the 60s, ever, you know, running backs got 40 carries a game. But um, I, we'll see. When, when Brown is playing more games, when Julio, hopefully, you know, like, I don't want to see any player miss games. Even if, you know, like, especially to prove my, a point of my being concerned about him. I'd rather, the game is better with Julio on the field. So hopefully Julio plays more games. And with those, them playing more games, I wonder if some get siphoned off. Not a lot. It's got to ha- it has to. It has to, like. Right. That is an insane level of carries. Because he has, he's averaging 27 carries a game. And we at, we just added a game this season, Right. Yeah. So twenty-seven times eighteen—that's four eighty-six. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> I—it's a pace. And look, betting against Derrick Henry was is never would never be a smart bet. You would have lost every year, basically, other than the years that like Tennessee decided they needed extra years with the Marco Murray. Um, whoever was the—I hoped whoever was the GM then is no longer with the team. But um, I just don't know how any back could keep up that that level of carry, regardless of size. Like something has to give. That is just a level of punishment. You know, like a concussion would happen, or something like that. You know, like where you would have to miss a game or something. Yeah, it's like luck. Luck of the eventually. Yeah, eventually, the more more attempts you have, the more likely you are to get turf toe or, you know, like, just anything can happen. Not that I'm wishing those things on Henry. I don't care if Henry runs for 4,000 yards. You know, like, it's wonderful for fantasy sports. Um, but it is, like, the more times you touch the ball, the more likely something is to happen. Not wishing it on anybody. You know, he seems like a really nice guy. Um, he oh, was wearing... Yeah. For He's sure. wearing like a dog shirt that like the uh, Titans were sponsoring adoptions for or something like that. It had a dog, yeah, a picture you, of a dog. You, yeah. yeah, you need to be a fan now. I mean, him, Tory Smith. I'm a fan of Tory Smith. I'll always be a fan of Tory Smith now. Um, those guys. I, I just feel like when all that stuff, like everybody started making a big deal about the kneeling or whatever else, and people would say shit like, oh, they could be doing something about this or that. Like, we don't really even know how much of their time and money they donate. And I think mm-hmm. that, like, a lot of times we assume, we make assumptions that are wrong, you know? Um, but that being said, uh, yeah, I, look, if he gets 500 carries and 3,500 rushing yards, like, more power to him. You know, that's All the right, style so of football I like to watch. I'm going to give you a, a minute here to to pull up your preseason rankings. Okay. And your write-ups. Okay, it's <laughs> going to take me a second, so... All right, um, it's no problem. Um, putting you on the spot because I have one player that is standing out to me this, this year. Okay, so I can give you the rank first if you're ready. Okay. So, DeAndre Swift. So, right um, now, he's a... Uh, two. He's running back two, I think, in, in point-per-reception leagues. And Well, okay. What am I looking at here? I'm looking at standard. Um, 
Let me go to half. So on fantasy pros, he's three behind Taylor. Okay. So it goes Henry, Taylor, Swift. So he was. I had him at seventeen. Okay. Which, if I read off the names, like I don't think that like anybody's going to say like, "Oh wow, you really should have like projected this," right? Like mm-hmm. Montgomery before he got hurt was having a good year. Carson was having a decent enough year, and then when you go into the top ten, you know Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards, Mixon, Gibson, Taylor. You know nobody. You know like I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh man, obviously I should have had him higher," but there's not anybody in front of him that I'm like, "Ooh, that was really." Ugh, yeah, you know, obviously. Um, but let me see if I can get my, uh, my it's narrative just, it, here. It is like Detroit is not a good team, right? No. And I think that that's something I said, um, about him, but let me, uh, let me see if I can get him. Local guy. Okay. Yeah. We're always fans of local guys. <laughs> I think his dad owns a gym in Fishtown. Yeah. So uh, DeAndre Swift, when we are looking at second-year players, we want to see flashes. DeAndre Swift finishes as running back 18. Out of his last five games, he only had one game with a single-digit scoring. Detroit saw a a coaching change midseason, and now they have a new coaching staff. Under Anthony Lynn, while the Chargers were toward the back of the league in rushing yards, his backs had successful seasons going back to 2016. Four out of five years, his backs finished well inside the top ten at seven, five, seven, and six. And while last season it was twenty nine, that might be due to the Eckler injury as much as rotating the quarterback and just having a tough year. They have brought in Jamal Adams, and there are discussions about bringing in Todd Gurley as well. While I expect Swift to be the lead back, this backfield is quickly becoming cluttered. The receiving quarter and quarterback have changed in Detroit along with the coaches, so there's still a lot to learn about this offense. But I love the talent. I like the opportunity. I like the success his new offensive coordinators have had with running backs. There's a lot to like with Swift. There may be an equal amount of concerns. He's currently running back 16 going off the board in the mid-rounds. Even though I am five, uh, this was written well before I moved him up. I think I had him at 20 originally. Lower in my ranking. In my ranking, mid-third round pick is not costly. Just remember Swift may be in a precarious spot of being a bright spot on a subpar offense. So... I'm looking at his numbers, and what stands out to me is the receptions. Yeah, forty-two. I mean, uh, what do 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 you have like how many like what's his target share? Like to the to the offense in general. So I don't have it in general. His targets are fifty-two. Um, let me see so, if I can get the. Yeah. Uh, So that that's a healthy amount of receptions. Like, so Detroit Lions are throwing to the running back about twenty-seven and a half percent of the time. Mm-hmm. That is high. Um, let's see here. That is below the Saints, but there are more targets. So seventy targets leads all teams mm-hmm. 70 running back targets and how many does does swift 52. have that 52. so he's got like uh 80 percent of those i'll do the uh, i'll break my calculator out um 74 so my, yeah, my I mean, basic that's... math so of 74 percent of all of the running back targets are going to swift and they're throwing the ball to the running back more than any other team and their twenty-seven and a half percent is second. You know, it's behind the Saints, um, which is at thirty-two point nine. Um, so, like Swift has more. Um, so yeah, Swift at, at all those targets. We we looked at um, his the last five games because that's what I discussed in the write-up. Mm-hmm. And, and how many he got. But, like, the reality is, is, like, he was, you know, you're talking about the last four games, five targets, five targets, five targets, three targets. Mm-hmm. And really, other than week three where he got two, he got at least four targets per game and at least three catches per game. You know? 
Right. So now on the receiving side. Okay. Um, I won't give you a name, but like I'm very surprised by two of the people that are in the top two. Okay, go ahead. And that's Cooper Cup. I think we discussed them last time. We did. I think, and I think we discuss uh, Jamar Chase too. Uh, let me look it up. So Chase, my last ranking, I think I had moved him down, but not that far. So my last ranking, I had him at twenty-eight. Um, and I think that that was because I kind of shuffled him and Higgins. Mm -hmm. So obviously wrong. <laughs> um, but. Uh, let's see here. Because I also have to, like, because I did originally a top 24 write-up and then a top top 36, I have to see if he's in my f one document or if I find another one. Okay. But there was all this, like, talk about in preseason that, he, you know, he, he, he couldn't catch and, yeah. It, well, it's silly. So here's, I don't think I wrote, I, we, I read the Jamar Chase right up. So um, I feel a bit overexposed here with Jamar Chase. This should not be a terribly expensive pick, and he is considered to be one of the better receivers in our league in recent history. I have some concerns with missing last season. This is not tied to conditioning. It is just suboptimal to miss a year of development at this age. Obviously, this is solely for fantasy purposes and not any judgment on the man or the player. Looks like Burrow will start the regular season on time, which is ideal. The good thing is, is that there's a pre-existing relationship between Burrow and Chase, so they should be familiar with each other's timing. Unlike some other players in this area, Chase has some high upside, and we have e recent history with the rookie receiver finishing inside the top 10. That is at least a possibility here. Do not expect, expect it, but it is within the range of outcomes, and if you want that possibility, you could go worse in this range. Right. I mean, I feel like, let me look up his, just interested in his stats that he could surpass Justin Jefferson of last, last year. He's on pace to destroy it. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got 35 receptions for 754 yards. Yeah, like... He's on pace to, yeah, kind of destroy that. Uh, yeah, so let me just... Um... But again, like, when you're talking fantasy, like, predicting what a rookie is going to do is very, very difficult. Always, always. I mean, you don't want to get stuck with egg on your face when if you reach on a, on a wide receiver, a mm -hmm. rookie wide receiver. Um We've seen it before, right? Um, and then with all that stuff of like he can't catch and all that other nonsense um, that that came out in the off season, like that's going to go down in history as like one of like the all time like overreactions. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, I can sit here and look like a clairvoyant because I have him in two out of three leagues. But um, oh, look at you! No, very smart. <laughs> but the reality is, is like when you get into that range where you're taking your your third receiver. To me, give me a guy who has the upside, right? Like that's kind of what I tried to preach. Like you don't like you can go safe or, or like there's no quote unquote safe player at all ever, right? Just ask me. I have Calvin Ridley in a league, right? Or, or Allen Robinson. Um, Robert Woods, other than one week, has not been necessarily the safest player. Right. But when you get into that range where you're taking those guys, do you really want to take a guy who's like his cap is 80 catches or something like that or 75 catches? Or do you want to take a guy who's a top five prospect in the last 20 years? Right? Like, right. There's no – if you miss in your fifth round – wide receiver pick or I'm not even sure I don't even remember when I took when I took him but if you miss whatever there's how many players after the fourth round do you end up dropping anyway or benching Correct. most of the time Correct. you know like so 
give me a guy like that's why I have him in two out of three leagues is is it just was like all right we're getting into a range where I'd like an upside play because whatever it's not it's not painful to me I have other players here um you know like we went through my I was talking to you about my 10 team league roster and like I'm so loaded at receiver and some of that is because our chase panned out but the reality is is like there are just more receivers so why not why not one load up at the position because if you're in any PPR format you're probably not flexing a running back no you, no i mean yeah you're not so Absolutely why not. yeah so why not out of your first 6 or 7 picks go 3 4 receivers cuz you're going to be starting if you're in a two receiver start flex you're probably going to start be starting three receivers every week yeah um, I, I totally agree with that so and when you're doing that to me when i'm not you know, like we're when you're through the like more quote unquote safe players in the top two rounds, I want to swing for the fences after that. Mm-hmm. And to me, Jamar Chase just rep- look. If 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 I fouled, hopefully my other picks earlier, or I've taken some other swing for the fences picks later that will make up for it. You know, but I I don't mind in the fifth round. Like, what's a risky pick in the fifth round? You worry about risk in the first and second round. Correct. Don't worry about yeah. risk in the fifth round. Yeah, you worry about upside in that round. Bingo. Bingo. Take yeah. your rookies. Take your guys that might win jobs. Um, and I think off-season-wise, and I'll, uh, I didn't mean to step on you there, but I think off-season-wise, when we talked about a player like Mike Davis, right, like that's the kind of player I'm talking about. Like, yes, he should have a role, but he's not a high-upside guy right this year. Um he was a player that you're hoping had a starting position where like, do I, I have him in one league, no other leagues, but did I, you know, did I take him? Yes. Um, that being said, you know, that's the kind of player that I'm kind of talking about is like, there's not that much upside in that kind of player. Yeah. And I, I feel like we probably talked about this a bit and kind of what I'm been thinking now is like, Like, I don't want to force that pick, you know? Like, I might as well take someone I think is going to have some sort of upside. Like, when you look at Davis over his career, like, it hasn't been good. Except he for just, last year, right? Except for last year where he got thrust in with injury with no one behind him. And, I mean, he made the most of that opportunity, you he know, sure but yeah. you know, like yeah. I'm not. He had a good year, but right. this is it. It's the. It's not like he stayed and McCaffrey left, right? Like he went to a new team with a different offensive scheme. They treat mm-hmm. the the running back different, and you know, lo and behold, when they, you know, like when they're looking for dynamic plays, they're really going more towards Patterson than they are to Davis. You know, and when you take a player just based on role. That's always the risk is that there might be someone further down the depth chart that ends up getting the job or or the touchdown opportunities or whatever you know like whatever else like look at Gaskin right yeah. another similar player where you're looking at role but then you have James Robinson right like where um he's perfectly fine but you look at this Gaskin and and Davis right and when you're just drafting based on role it doesn't always work out no I think that you like you're more you're better off drafting based on like a talented player that has shown that they can do it than you are or a, a younger player that is might you know might get the opportunity. So wh- another thing I wanted to point out like when it comes to quarterback and real football versus fantasy football I think quarterback is probably maybe the only position where, like, they don't quite line up. So, Jalen Hurts is now, he's sitting at two. That team, the the team is not playing well. If you watch him play, yeah, he, he can, 
He's getting a lot of garbage points. Let's just put it at that. Right? Like it's it's the almost comeback, right? Like um yeah. they're down by 20 with, you know, the the third quarter's trailing. They put up a point. They put up points. The team t- the other team takes their foot off the gas. All of a sudden it ends up being a 6-point game when really the game was never in reach. Correct. And, you know, he's he's running the ball. He's 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 definitely running in touchdowns, but like, I feel like his yards per game are pretty low. Um, despite a lot of attempts. Despite a lot of attempts. Yeah, because we just looked at it. The Eagles are one of the lowest rushing teams in the league. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to say, like, I feel like quarterback is probably that position where they don't line up like being a really good quarterback and a fantasy player at the same time no but we saw it what two years ago with Winston throwing 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions you know like we've seen we've seen this uh, movie before yeah um and that's what you have to remember when you're sitting in your draft. You don't need the best quarterback. You just need the one who's going to get the yards and the touchdowns. Um, that being said, like obviously, most of the top five is made up of decent quarterbacks. Yeah, you got Brady, Hurts, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes. Right. So you got I mean, one Mahomes, outlier. Jackson. Murray, Brady. I feel like they were all, and Brady, like, well, at least Murray, Jackson, and Mahomes. Like, I feel like they were all taken within the first four rounds. So maybe so Josh Allen was taken that's before th- those guys. Yeah, yeah, like, they're three out of my top five: Mahomes, right. Murray, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um. I have Allen at three, Aaron Rodgers at four, and I think he's sitting back because he had that one bad game. Right. Um, but, you know, it's only game or... Yeah, all you need is to, to miss... Seven weeks. Yeah, and all you need to, is to have missed a game, had a bye, or uh, had a bad game, and it's going, you know, like it's going to make a huge difference because the sample that we have is pretty low. So um, as we start to wrap up here, um, even though I think I lost a couple minutes of me going on about um, DeAndre Swift, um, was there another player you wanted to ask about? We did one receiver, one back. No, I, I think I'll, I'll save some for for next week. We'll be, I guess we'll be halfway through the fantasy season, right? Uh, at this year. 15? Yeah. 16, 16 is when the season ends playoffs or like week 14 or 15. Right. So like we're we're about halfway through fantasy season. Yep. So I'll 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 come up with some players for our next show. Okay. That sounds good. Um other than now now that we've kind of closed the chapter on on fantasy um we, you and I, I don't know how long, how much into the game I'm going to make it. We've got Flyers tonight at 10, probably really a 10.30 puck drop. West Coast trips, man. It's going to be brutal. It's today and tomorrow yeah, that we've I, got a 10 I, o'clock start. I never liked them, um, especially, like, growing up a Flyers fan because, like, it's like, dude, I got to get in bed, man. I got to sleep tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Lights out. Yeah. I think when I was, like, a – like um. Like, when I was playing hockey in high school, like, um, I worked, and I feel like I worked a lot, like, late, and then by the time I got home from work, I didn't, you know, like, I wasn't going to be watching uh, bedtime. Um, So, yeah, like, I just feel like those West Coast, you know, like, my dad always had Prism or or, uh, Sportsnet, so it's not like we never got, like, got the games back when we had to have Prism to get some flyers and some Sixers <laughs> games. It, yeah. yeah, like we definitely had it, but um there just comes a point in time where it's just, you know, it, and now it's even worse now that I, you know, like with school whatever, you know, like you could go in tired. Um sleep in homeroom. Yeah. Yeah, maybe at an early study hall. Mm-hmm. Um 
but now it's like I got to go in and be people's boss. I don't know that you know, like I can <laughs> I be that tired, right? Like, kind of right. takes that out of it. Not that I'm going to get in trouble, but you got to set a good example. For sure. Um. So yeah, they've got a tough, tough matchup tonight with Edmonton, who's undefeated. Um. They're without Ryan Ellis, uh, probably either their best defenseman or second def- best defenseman against two guys that are just lighting the lamp at a ridiculous clip right now. Um, Connor McDavid. McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're just yeah. on another level right now. Um, they were last year too, but they're really they're really buzzing. Um, and then they have Vancouver tomorrow, uh, maybe to get some revenge for the home game they dumped. I hope Ellis is back because it would help a lot. This is going to be a tall order when you have Justin Braun on your top pairing. Yeah. Um, but you got to play who's in front of you. So next man up. That's it. That's it. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nick Sirianni acting like he's <laughs> Dwight Schrute. Um, <laughs> the paper is the soil. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So Keep weird. On a bee farm. Yeah, 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 and a bed and breakfast. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, other than that, in the hockey world, a lot of lot of bad news coming out of Chicago. I don't want to, you know, like bring everybody down, but there's a lot of people that should never be around the game, really anymore. Yeah, you kind of brought this story to light for me, and um, it very much reminds me of of like a mini Penn State. Yeah, it's not as prolific, and I don't use prolific in a good way. Um, just in volume, that doesn't take anything away from any individual victim. It just, you know, Penn State was a much bigger in volume. Um Situation, but this is kind of on that level, just with less victims. But kind of on that, like just bad decision after bad decision, um, and really like people failing to do what I feel like is the most basic thing that you should do in that situation, which is alert the authorities. Right. You know, um, you, you even before like I, I don't know, you know, like I just don't understand how you can be made aware of an accusation and just be like, eh, you know, we're going to see how this plays out first. Yeah. Let's not disturb the team. Like, yeah, I, I just, but yeah, on a human level, I mean, that's just, it's not good. It's so like, it's not good. And I think that like for the victim, in this case, the victim, in any case, for them to come forward and even report it with the shame that they feel, um, with I'm sure people talking about how they put themselves in the situation, or they, you know, mm-hmm. for some for some reason they're to blame, um, uh, for them to come forward only to either not be heard or have people make more self interested decisions about how they themselves may look and not how the victim. Right. went through something it's just it's it's such a it's not a hard decision no or it shouldn't not. it shouldn't be and for for some reason we have made it one and that's something i'll never understand is the like again i don't like you take it, you say, you know, you're reporting it to me i i just think like a blanket policy of like hey you told me our rule is, is one, we investigate, but also we turn it over to the authorities because I'm not a detective. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and in this case, what was described was nothing short of an assault. Oh, for sure. You know, that's not up to the team to figure out what their policy is. You turn around and you alert the authorities. You're not, yeah, who were, let them figure it out. who right. are you? Who are you? You know, like, uh, are you Detective Benson? You Detective Stabler? Huh. Come on, yeah. turn it over to the pros. Right. That's the most ba- it's the most basic thing you do, because then there was like additional fallout where this guy gets another job and gets a new you know a new new group of victims and 
you know, what is then your role in that yeah, when you I didn't mean, come forward or, right, or report I, to authorities? I, I said it to you. It's like, it's like the Catholic Church scenario. You know, yeah. like you're just passing this priest around that's raping young boys and just, oh, like, let's pass them off to the and where it happens again. Like, and it will keep happening until someone, yeah. you know, does something more it's, than just. It, and it, it's despicable, actually. It's very shameful. It is. And I feel like everybody there were, you know, like the reporting as of like yesterday and today was like there are a lot of people involved with the decision to like wait and see and uh-huh. then basically just terminate this guy quietly. Um, those folks shouldn't be around the hockey rink ever again they really shouldn't be coaching or a gm or really involved with the league it's a black eye for the league not just chicago um and also like they just they shouldn't be involved in any form of youth sports like if you failed a report i don't care what the age of the victim is if you failed the report an assault when you were made aware of it you lose your ability to to do those things you know, like you just you, you go take it to the authorities. It's really not that complicated. Nope. This isn't like oh my coworker was staring at me, and that's an internal decision that you have to make. When someone right. reports to you an assault, not that like not that one thing, not that harassment is, you know, not a reason to fire somebody. It's just when someone's reporting an assault, that's that's not an internal policy thing about how do we deal with this. Right. You know, like, that is, like, you just take that right to the authorities. Harassment, inappropriate comments, those are business decisions. And, you know, like, again, I don't don't think it's unwise to have policies where you just don't tolerate it at all. Um, And just deal with it in that way. But in this case, I mean... Someone assaulting a, a a young a person younger that they have authority over. I don't know that there's really much room for anything else. And I no, think that no. you know when you no, foul that situation, yeah, it's, despicable. it's despicable for yep. sure. So, um, on that note, <laughs> um, <laughs> the heavy note. Yeah. On that heavy note, I feel like I we I. Uh, recently had to talk about Kevin Hayes' brother. I don't know if you saw that report, but Jimmy Hayes, they released the cause of death. He had fentanyl and cocaine in his system, and I feel like I just talked about that last week, and then you have this this week. Um, You know, uh, so on on a heavy note, not the lightest of topics, but it is what it is. We live in a real sloppy world. So we'll be back tomorrow to discuss more more fantasy sports and hopefully less um, serious yeah, subjects. We'll do a preview to the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I have a big matchup, so we'll we'll, we'll preview yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we do, man. All right. Until All right. then, guys. <laughs>